Good evening, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark, and uh, this is E3, and we are in the second week of Philemon that... Uh, uh, last week we talked about kind of the pers- uh, perspective of, of Onesimus and uh, just how he must have felt when he became a follower of Christ and being asked to go back to uh, his his master uh, Philemon and and uh, this week we're going to talk about the perspective of Philemon and and then next week we're going to be talking about uh, Paul and really his perspective as a pastor. Now, I know that everybody um, kind of looks at this book and, and, and says, like, well, how do you say Philemon? You know, there's, you know, uh, there's different ways. So I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a little time and just help us out a little bit and look at some alternative kind of pronunciations of it with, with uh, graphic support, graphical support. So uh, here, here's one way that you can say it. Chick-fil-A Monday, or take out the chick, and it's filet-mon. Filet-mon, right. There you go. So, Chick-fil-A-mon. So, and why, why Chick-fil-A Monday? Because you can't get it on Sunday, right? Exactly. Okay. Uh, the next alternative kind of thing is, uh, is filamon, right? So, like soccer, you know, and uh, Mon, you know, you got your Jamaican guy. So that's another way that you could potentially say it. Or you could say it like the frat boys or sorority girls. Phi lemon. Phi. Hoo, hoo, hoo. It's not phi. That's one thing that we all know, except the frat people. It's not phi, it's phi. Okay, and then the southern pronunciation. That's Phil from Duck Dynasty. That's generally Lee. And that's Pikachu, who is a Pokemon. So you got Phil Lee Mon. All right. I'm glad we got that settled. Well, no matter how you pronounce it, though, really the, the, the story uh, that presents itself in the letter to Philemon is, is one that we encounter every day of our life. And this is the question. How does faith intertwine with our professional life, our, our workplace, or, or while we are in school? How, how does that all work? And the reality is that every single person here is over, is, has authority over somebody, and we are all under authority. It's just a reality. Every single person here, we have some sort of authority over someone, and we are under some one's authority. And it may be formal authority, like you are a supervisor of, of a group of people. Or you may be a president of a company, or, or maybe you be, are a coach on a team, or it may be informal, like you lead a study group or a, or a Bible study, uh, or maybe you mentor somebody to help them make uh, better life decisions. And 
I think when we're looking at, at this story of Onesimus and, and Philemon and, and, and Paul and everything, and Eric did a really good job of unpacking this this last week, but I want to touch on it a little bit more. I think it's a, it's a real mistake to overlay the horrors of American slavery uh, on, on this letter in the relationship between Onesimus and Philemon, that that uh, really in the 21st century, what is probably going on here is either an employment contract or him, uh, Onesimus, being a compelled volunteer. Now, let me unpack both of those. Uh, the employment contract in the 21st century is something that uh, is very common uh, in fact, my wife uh, just graduated uh, as an RN, and a lot of her friends uh, who graduated with her, they made deals with hospitals. Essentially, the hospitals will pay their student loans if they'll come and work for a certain amount of time at that hospital, okay? And uh, so they say, okay, I'll sign that contract. If you'll pay my student debt, I'll work for you, let's say, for five years. And they say, okay, this is great. Well, if you leave before that, that scheduled time, that agreed-upon time, guess what? You're on the hook. You're under contractual obligation to work for that company. Why? Because they're going to pay for your student loan. So that might be going, here, going on with Onesimus that, that, hey, you know what? Maybe he got in some financial trouble. Maybe that, that uh, he borrowed some money in exchange for servitude. Uh, uh, for Philemon. Or maybe he was a compelled volunteer. Now, what's a compelled volunteer? Well, we all know what, what compelled volunteers are. We may, you may just not call them that. That's what I like to call them. And essentially, uh, students today, uh, they're required to do a certain amount of community service hours to get their diploma. Or uh, people who uh, commit mis misdemeanor or, or nonviolent crimes, a lot of times they'll get community service and they're like, you know, you can pick up trash along the side of the road or, or you can volunteer at some nonprofit organization or you can volunteer at a church. So both those people, you know, they have to do some sort of volunteer work, but they don't really want to volunteer, right? They want a diploma or they don't want to be incarcerated. So a lot of times what happens is that uh, uh, they'll procrastinate and then they'll, they'll come to the end and then they're like, oh crud, I got I to gotta, I gotta do my uh, volunteer hours. So uh, a lot of times they'll, they'll call us and they'll think, oh, you know, churches are pushovers, I'll get an easy gig, you know, and dust Bibles or, or something like, like that. So, I, you know, as a pastor, I love compelled volunteers. I know you're not meant to say that, but I, I do. I, I, I like compelled volunteers because there's so much stuff at a church that needs to be done, and there's so much stuff that people just don't want to do. But if you're compelled, it's good. And I understand that that's, they're not doing it with the heart of Christ and, and everything, but, but it does get the toilets cleaned. 
right? So, so you know, that, that might be going on here, too, is where Onesimus maybe was a conquered person. Maybe uh, uh, he, he, you know, did a, some kind of crime, and he's got to do his community service hours and everything. And what happened is uh, Philemon maybe bought his contract, bought his debt, and he, he is uh, now volunteering. So last week, Pastor Eric did a really great job unpacking that, and he also did a really great job of bringing the perspective of Onesimus as, as one of the, you know, either a empl- uh, contract employee or uh, a compulsory or compelled volunteer. And there was one moment two-minute moment in his talk that I thought really where he was able to bring to life perhaps the feelings that Onesimus was having. And, and uh, I asked uh, if we could show that, that clip really quick. And then I'm going to come back and tell you about my response and knowing that I was going to be talking about uh, Philemon's uh, perspective this week, and and just kind of my response to to this. So here you go. So I was uh, watching that and and just listening and going like, well, what would Philemon's kind of uh, reaction to that letter be? Being read in the church and and understanding that that his family that. Uh, uh, had a financial interest and investment in Onesimus. And we don't know the whole situation, but, but just like, how does that all work? And I, I kind of was thinking if, you know, if I was Philemon, that I, that I would have been thinking about like, uh, wow, you know, nice letter, Paul. Really appreciate that. And probably thought, you know, you know, Paul, you wrote at the end that you're going to get me out of the prison pretty soon and come visit, and you want me to, to make a nice room for you? Oh, I got a nice room for you. It, I'm going to make it up real nice for you. And I could think, think you know, just uh, this idea that uh, after, after the church service and, and Onesimus and uh, coming up to Philemon for the, the first time, and Philemon just coming up and, and saying, you know, Onesimus, you know, now you're free, you know, you're, you're free in Christ, and you're a brother. Come here, bro. Man, I, this is so awesome. I'm, I'm so glad that, that you are a follower of Christ now. And that's so cool, and I want to mentor you, and, I, and I'm really excited about that. And, and I was wondering, do you have a life verse yet? And probably Onesimus would have been like, life verse? You know, I don't know. What, what, what's a life verse? I'm new to this Christianity thing. A life verse is like when, when there's something in your life that you're kind of weak at, that you, you have this verse that you memorize, to remind you to, to keep strong and to keep the faith and, and keep going. He's like, oh no, you know, Philemon, I don't, I don't have one of those. Do, do you have one in mind? And Philemon would probably be going like, well, Paul, I don't think, has written this letter yet to the, uh, the Thessalonians, but they're going to, he's going to soon. And, and you'll, I think this should be your life verse in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. Those unwilling to work, and he's like, yeah, 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 will 
not get to eat. Onesimus. See, it's church on Sunday, bro. You know, kind of this idea, just like this, this idea that, that, wow, you know, how does this all work, right? How does this, this boss, employee, and faith all work together? And I got to be honest with you that this has been one of the most difficult aspects of me being a pastor. Over the past 10 years, do you know that E3 and Red Eye Coffee in Midtown, that we have about 25 full-time and part-time employees, and most of them go here. And, and over the past 10 years, I've had to encourage people, I've had to motivate them, I've uh, had to help them overcome obstacles, and uh there's been conflict, and I got to tell you, like, there's two parts of me. There's the part of the pastor where it's like, it's all good. You know, Jesus loves you, and, and you know, He has a plan for you and, and, and everything. I wholeheartedly, 100% believe that, but also there's like the Donald Trump part of me, Right? Where it's like, dude, we have entrusted you as an organization that you are receiving a paycheck. And you got to get it done. You got to do your job. Because we are all relying on you. And those things, hopefully you can understand, um, can come into conflict because, like, I was in a family business before I was a pastor, and dude, we would have some, like, blowouts, but then have to go to, like, a family dinner, like, Thanksgiving, and, like, my brother and I or my dad and I would be just, like, you know, fighting over salt, but we weren't really fighting over the salt, right? That, 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 but we had to keep it on the DL, on the down low, because we didn't want to, like, upset grandma uh, and everything, and that's kind of like, you know... For people who are in a, a, a Christian boss, Christian employee relationship, and if they go to the same local church, that can be really difficult, right? On both parties, it can be really, really hard. And over the past 10 years, you know, uh, it's a blessing to work with people that you worship with and are growing with, but also it can be a curse because, you know, say that somebody who, who works for me and we've just had some conflict or something like that, but then they want to, you know, they come to church and they got to listen to me like blah, 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 you know, and they're like, yeah, right, you know. And so you have these, these difficulties, and the same is true where, where you know, you, you know, you're in a workplace and you have the blessing of a Christian boss or you have the blessing of Christian employees, but, but also you have this conflict of, of, you know, the reality is that our calling is so much more than what is written on our job description. So, the reality is, and I think that this is just kind of the high-level thing here, is the reality is that I think in, in just 
just you know conceptual thinking we all as as followers of christ should be the best employees in the company we should be the best students and if we're bosses we should be the best bosses but how does that all work out what does that look like how should an employer who is a follower of christ interact with their fellow christian employee and i gotta tell you i'm still working this out I am by no means, you know, do this perfectly, and you can talk to any, you know, buddy who who works with me or for me, you know, that that you know th- these are these these are difficult things, because again, my my initial nature is I just want to hug them and just say, you know, it's going to be okay. But also, I understand the accountability that you guys have entrusted us and and entrusted me to lead the staff. So there's those tensions always going on. So I've come up with three things that, and I wrote these things mostly for me, but I'm going to share them with you because I need to hear them too. Uh, So the first one that I was thinking was just being authentic with your Christian boss or, 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 you know, your your Christian employee. And, And that might not be a surprise to you that authenticity would be an important thing. But I think it's just an easy conversation before there's any problem, before there's any conflict, especially if we go to the same church, is say, you know what, we have an opportunity, this is the reality, we have an opportunity here to bring, illuminate Jesus in our workplace. That our relationship me as your boss and you as my employee, that what we're doing transcends what we're making or selling or, or, or whatever, teaching. That we have an opportunity how we interact with one another to show Jesus to people who may never be able to experience Him. And this is a high calling. And I need your help in doing that. And we need to hold each other accountable. And it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a brother on brother, brother, sister, sister on sister. You know, it's just this, this kind of this conversation is like, hey, you know what? Let's identify that, you know what? There's going to be some issues here, but we got to be on the same team. I may be your boss and you may be my employee and you may, you know, all this kind of stuff. But we are brothers and sisters. We are brothers and brothers or sisters and sisters in Christ. And first and foremost, we got to get this right. The second one, and this is probably one of the harder ones for me, is quick correction. And the reality is things go sideways, right? It's life. In church, you know, things go sideways in church too, you know? You know, it's funny, people come on staff and they're like, oh, when do we get to sing Kumbaya? And it's like, we don't sing Kumbaya, get to work. You know, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, it's a job. Like, it's a real life job. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, you just show up on Sunday and hug and pray for people. And I was like, yes, we do. But we also work 60 hours a week the other, you know, other days too. There's always stuff going on, always these kind of things. And so when something goes sideways, I think for those of us who, who are Christian bosses and Christian employees and need to just understand this, that there needs to be quick correction. There needs to be You can't wait for an annual review because the stakes are too high that, that, you know what, there can't be this festering. And again, it goes against our kind of our American Christian culture. It's like, oh, I forgive you, I forgive you too. 
And that's nice, and I'm all about the forgiveness thing. You know, I, I mean, I've bet my life on it. I've bet my eternity on it. But the reality is that things go wrong and just saying, you know what? You disappointed me here in this, in this area. And you know what? I wouldn't even bother telling you right now. I would just wait for your review. But my relationship with you as a fellow brother or sister in Christ is, is more important than your job to me. And then the final one, and I kind of struggled on how to, how to say this, but, but I landed on proactive pruning. Yes, proactive pruning. You know, we're all, you know, it's, it's, it's fall or is it officially winter yet? Whatever. Things are dying, right? And, uh, uh, you know, and in my house, and, and uh, you know, you get the, the things that are beautiful and they have flowers and now they're like dead twigs and stuff like that. And there's a, there's a point that you just like, you proactively prune, you, you prune, you, you cut those things off. Why? That's a question. Okay, the hope that they'll grow back, right? Like, who was the first person to prune a plant? You know, they probably thought this dead thing, whoosh. Then it grew back, and they, like they, well, they probably didn't text or tweet, but they probably like told somebody, like, dude, you know what? I cut off that dead stuff, and then spring came and beauty came. And I think that that, that we have a real hard time with that in Christendom that we think, oh, no, you know, we, we, we can't proactively prune. But, but the reality is that we're shown in Scripture that this happened. Like a lot of times we think, oh, once we're together, we're, forget, we're, to, blah, 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 we're for, together for life. And maybe eternal life, but not necessarily called to the same ministry or the same workplace or whatever for eternity or for, for our, our working life. And we see in Acts, you know, this story between Paul and another guy named Barnabas who worked together and they did a lot of good together, but there came a point where they separated. There was some proactive pruning. And you know what happened? What was ugly between the two of them eventually became beauty for the kingdom. And I think sometimes, and this is, this is hard, this is a hard concept, at least for me, because I, I'm a relational reconciliation guy. But sometimes, and it's time to, to go your different ways. And listen to this. I believe that staying together may be sin. See, sin being less than what God wants for you. And sometimes... Instead of going and parting ways with people maybe that you like or love or you're comfortable with, and you, you, you kind of just stay in a, in a toxic situation, and you, you, you stay in that, and that is, that is not what God has envisioned, that God says, you know what, it's time to prune. It's time to prune this part of your life, this ugly, ugly dead part, so for the hope of the future that you will be beautiful, that your life will be beautiful, that your ministry will be beautiful. Nobody ever likes it. Nobody likes pruning. Nobody likes to prune. Did anybody wake up this morning and say, man, I get to prune my trees today? No. 
And I'm sure the tree didn't say, oh, good, I get to be pruned today, right? No. But we do it because we realize that something has run its natural course. And we prune because we have this hope for beauty in the future. Just to let you know, this has nothing to do with anything, but I, I, I actually uh, was going to call proactive pruning uh, compassionate cutting. Yeah, no, that's, that's a reaction that everybody's had. So, so that's the Donald Trump side. We went with the pastor side of proactive pruning, just to let you know. Okay, there we go. So, what happened with Philemon and Onesimus? And, and most sources, uh, again, Eric did a great job with this, but I just maybe I can bring a little more light to what he didn't have time to talk about. Most sources put Onesimus eventually back with Paul uh, and worked on, on mission trips and things like that. And it really doesn't say in Scripture, but, but there's lots of extra-biblical uh, kind of uh, just... Basically, like, uh, they're not blogs, but, but like on papyrus, you know, like the, the, you know, like a blog, but really like old school. And, and, you know, just saying like, you know, it's like if you blog about, you know, hey, this happened at church or something like that today, or this is going on in my life. Well, people did that, but just with pen and paper and everything. So from old sources, you know, we, we find different things about, you know, what happened with, with uh, Onesimus and, and with uh, Philemon and, uh, and whatever his name is. And, uh, and, and there's a couple of thoughts, you know, if, if, if uh, Philemon did not release Onesimus or eventually let him back, it probably wouldn't be in the Bible. I mean, if, if, if Philemon was just like, ah, I'm not, you know, forget you, Paul. It just, it, we wouldn't even know about it. Secondary, there's lots of secondary kind of uh, conversations in Scripture about Paul uh, taking new converts in and, and mentoring them and them uh, going and, and being part of the work. You might want to write this down, but some of those scriptures, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 25 and 30, and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, verse 17. And, and again, uh, this is this is just you know kind of allusions to how things worked in the early church, but what we're basically seeing here is, and what we know from church history is that that somehow Onesimus did get mentored, that he eventually fulfilled his uh, his contract, uh, and and he went on to be the house church pastor of of Timothy's, or excuse me, uh, Titus's old church, and then eventually he did such a great job there that he oversaw a bunch of house churches, um, and and just kind of this this kind of really cool story about redemptive growth and and conflict resolution and just people coming together, but then also going apart for the, the good of the kingdom. So this is what I wanted to leave you with. Uh, I wanted to leave you with Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses um, 
1 through 9, and it's two passages, and I think they're, they're perhaps the best passages about kind of like how we exist in the workplace, but they don't say anything about the workplace. And I'm going to read both of them, and then I'm going to put a little twist on, on each one. So the first one, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipleship or with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Okay, I have a high view of Scripture. And I know you're not meant to mess with Scripture. But full disclosure, I'm going to mess with Scripture just to let you know. So... This is a different reading just to help us, and I think the teaching is, is equally as good for father and mother, or excuse me, parent and child, as it is for employer and employee. So listen to this. Employees, obey your employer because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your employer. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your employer, things will go well for you. And you'll have a long life on the earth. Employers, do not provoke your employees to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Okay, there's the first one. The second one is about slaves and masters, which is probably a closer equivalent. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with your heart, with enthusiasm, as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember You both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. Let me tweak it, and then we're going to be done. Employees, obey your employers with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as if you you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with your heart. Work with enthusiasm, as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are employees or employers. Employers, treat your employees in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no Having a Christian boss or a Christian employee is both a blessing and a curse. Because when you have a Christian boss or you have a Christian employee, that your mission transcends the mission or the purpose of the company. You do a great job. But together, 
you transcend and become a mission within that church. That you become the illumination of Christ and it is your job, both of your jobs, to be the full expression of God's love in that workplace. You guys pray with me?